With that, let's jump into the message this morning. How many of you are like me and you have noticed that your DIY projects never go as planned? Right? Come on, let's be honest. Right? Like you start out something. Me and my dad used to have a joke with one another. We would go to change a doorbell or something that should take like 10 minutes. Four hours later, five trips to Lowe's, you know, something burnt down in the house. We finally have the doorbell changed. Why? Because DIY projects never go like you intend. A lot of you, you watch Chip and Joanna Gaines online and you say, I can do that. And you start to tear into it, right? And you think this is going to be awesome. You go to Lowe's or you go to T.H. Rogers, you go wherever you go, you get your material, you have your tools, you look like Bob the Builder, you know, you have the, the toolkit on, you're ready to go, and you think, I'm going to be a tycoon DIY. Watch out, Chip and Joanna, because I'm coming for you. And so you start tearing into the project, and with a few hours, the house is a wreck, your marriage is on a rock, water's shooting out of the sink, even though you're working on the cabinet, right? Your, your retail value of your house has completely gone down. You're getting audited by the IRS. The dog has fleas. I mean, your teenage daughter brings home her first date. All the bad stuff happens when you start a DIY project, right? I've been there. You start out doing something, and then everything goes wrong. And I kind of feel like that's how this coronavirus has been for us as a church. It's like a bad DIY project. We started out the first of the year with all these amazing things. We were heading in an amazing direction as a church and as an individual. And the next thing you know, everything just blows up around us. And you're probably here asking if you're in this building or you're at home, you're asking how in the world did we end up here? And today, I just want to share with you a message I really feel in this season that the Lord dropped on my heart. When this entire virus situation started going down, it became evident that God was going to have to lead us as individuals and churches through this season. And so I started praying in the sanctuary one morning and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I mean, this is unprecedented. Nobody knows what to do. I'm on several Facebook groups with pastors and done a lot of Zoom calls. And it doesn't matter if they're a pastor of a church of 50 or they're a church of 10,000. They're all like, we don't know. And so I started praying, Lord, what do you want us to do? And I felt led to this passage in Exodus chapter number 13, and if you have your Bibles, you can start turning there. Today, I want you to know that this message is really more aimed at us as a church than necessarily as individuals. The principles I'm going to share with you today apply to us as individuals, of course, but I really want to speak to us as a body, as a church, not as an organization, but as a body of believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, what are we called to do in this season? And so if you would, please stand with me as we look at the word of God. And maybe you're at home today. I'd encourage you even to stand at home as we read God's word. This is a habit that we have. It's a practice because we value the word of God. And we always want to remember that the word of God is powerful. Exodus chapter number 13, starting in verse number 17, it says this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although it was near. For God said, lest the people change their mind when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joshua with him, for Joshua had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Shechoth and encamped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in the pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day 
and by night. And the pillar of the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from the people. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you have taken time to speak to us today through your word. And I pray, God, that we would just be reverent to what you want to say. And Lord, more than anything, that you would help us to be impassioned to follow you no matter what the season looks like. God, when you're leading, it's safe. And God, I know that in the arms of the shepherd, Lord, you're going to carry us and you're going to lead us to where we need to be. Well, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Here's the big idea of this message. Sometimes following God's leading doesn't make sense, but it's always safe. Sometimes following God's leading doesn't make sense, but there's always a purpose in his leading. Where were you when the, when the virus started to hit and you realized, okay, this is going to be a little bit different than what we thought it was going to be? For, for Charity and I, we were on spring break. We were on vacation. We were trying to catch up on some chores around the house, and we were going to have some fun. And the reports that the country was shutting down started to come out that first weekend. And to be honest with you, I did not think when it started that we would end up here, and yet here we are. And a lot has changed over the last six or seven weeks. Think back to where we were as a church at the beginning of March. We had plans that we truly felt like were from God and were pointing us to the promised land, if you will. There was momentum in our church. We had just taken up the first offering for the parking lot expansion, and God did amazing things. We set at around $35,000 today that we raised in that first month. We had this amazing men's ministry event planned for the end of April that we were 90% of the way done with. The sisterhood had just done amazing outreach, and we have about 130 kids and teenagers on Wednesday night, and we were one week away from holding two services in the sanctuary because we had ran out of room. It was awesome, and everything seemed to be going up and to the right on the graph, if you will. And we had felt like we had tapped into what God had called us to do as believers. And I'm sure you have felt the same way if you were here. And I truly believe in my heart that we were following God and that we are still following God in his will. But what happened was when this virus started coming down, just everything blew up. Life blew up. The church blew up. Our jobs blew up. The country blew up. As a, as a church, we went from raising money for a parking lot expansions and two services to worrying about if we had enough toilet paper in the church. I mean, how do you go from one to the other? Now, we've all been saying it. I know I've said it. God is not surprised by this virus. Amen? Like, God's not surprised. But I was surprised, right? Right? Like, just because God wasn't surprised doesn't mean that I wasn't surprised and that you weren't surprised or that it didn't take us by surprise as a church. In fact, I believe that God's even leading in the midst of this season. We've seen some amazing things happen. People connecting with us online that have never connected before. And we truly believe God's working through all of that. However, it's still confusing. What do we do in the middle of this season? As I read you this passage about the Israelites, I, I think we have a lot in common with them. I think the Israelites were in a similar situation in this season in this passage. If you're not familiar with this story, let me give you a 30,000-foot view of where we're at in Scripture. When you look at the Bible, the entire book is about the redemption of humanity. If you want to know what this is about, it's the story of God redeeming humanity from its own mess. You look, God created Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve sinned, and then God initiated this redemption process 
in which he pulls us out of sin. He pays for the, de- the penalty of sin, which is death. And by God's grace, he reunites us together. So what you see is, is that when God initiated this redemption plan, he chose a man by the name of Abraham, and he said, Abraham, out of your family is going to come a savior, the redemption of the world. Now, the problem was Abraham didn't have any children, and God said, don't worry, I'm going to take care of that, and he gave him Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons, and before long, this family grows into a nation. Now, when this family was still tiny, there was a famine. There was about 70 of them, give or take, and and they go to Egypt in order to find some food. And they're in Egypt for 400 years, and during this 400 years, they go from a small family to a nation of two to four million people. The problem is, is they're caught in slavery. Now, God is using Israel for two reasons. First, to give us a picture of our salvation. We're all in slavery, we need saved, and God sheds blood in order to bring us freedom from our sins. The second reason why God is choosing Israel is because that's the the nation, the lineage that God is going to bring his son Jesus from. So when we start reading this passage, Israel is in slavery. God sends Moses to free the people. Moses is God's mouthpiece. He's the one that's equipped to to bring the Exodus process. And God purchases Israel's salvation by sending 10 plagues on the Egyptians. And finally, they let the people go. And that's where our story picks up. The Israelites have just received the green light to head out. And the Bible says something very interesting. God did not lead them by the way of Philistine, though it was near. Now, what's interesting is if you have your Bible, and perhaps your Bible's like mine, and you look at the back, there might be some maps in there. And what you see is is that God did not lead the people straight from Egypt to the promised land, which was Canaan. It wasn't far. And in fact, if you look at the maps, there are actually a road from Egypt to Canaan. It must have been a trade route back and forth. And so it was actually just right there. It would have been a very easy journey for the people. But what you see is, is when the, the, the Passover comes and the people can leave Egypt, they don't go down the straight road. God actually leads them in almost the wrong direction. Instead of heading straight east, northeast, they actually go southeast, and they're heading straight to a body of water called the Red Sea. Now, we know the story. The Bible says that God splits the Red Sea, and they walk across on dry ground, but they still don't go straight to Canaan. They actually head more south, and they go all the way around the wilderness to the promised land. Now, think about this from the perspective of the Israelites. Put yourself in their shoes. They have been in slavery in Egypt their entire life, and they were crying out to God for mercy and deliverance. And God sends this man, Moses, and there's these signs and there's these wonders that they've never seen before. And God performed all these amazing miracles, and they knew why, because they were going to the promised land. God's purpose was to lead them to the promised land. And so I assume when they're leaving Egypt on the night of the Passover, in their minds, they're like, we're going straight to where the blessing is at. But the Bible says that God leads them the long way. Why? Well, we know in this passage why. God said if they face war, they probably won't follow through. They'll probably turn around and go home. So God, in his purpose, made a plan to lead them the long way. But I'm not sure that the Israelites in the moment knew that. Has God ever done something crazy in your life and in the moment you're like, God, why are you doing this? But then several years later or a season later, you look back and you say, I know exactly why God did this. I see how the whole plan came together in hindsight. The problem is in 
the beginning, you don't always see that. And I think that's probably where the Israelites were at because the Bible says that when they leave, they go to the Red Sea and then they're stuck at the body of water and Pharaoh's army is closing in behind them. They are in the proverbial rock in a hard spot. And here's what we have to understand. I truly believe that God is leading us as a church to the promised land, if you will. But now all of a sudden, he has taken us on a left turn and has left a lot of us scratching our heads. Okay, what are we doing and why are we doing it and what do we do from here? That's been my prayer. That's been my question. God, what do you want us to do? There's three things I want to show you very quickly out of this passage that I believe that we have to do in this season. These are three things that we can do as a church and as individuals in order to stand the will of God. The first thing I want to show you is this. We have to follow the cloud. As many of you are aware of this passage is very personal to me. I feel like God's laid this on my heart a year ago, and it brought me here. When I started praying, I felt like God led me right back here. And it was basically this. You've been following me here. Keep following me as you go on. What the Bible says is very interesting, that the people were led by a pillar of a cloud. And so on the day, it was a cloud, and at night, it looked like it was fire. I'm not sure what that would have looked like. It would have been an amazing sight. But the pillar always went before the people. And so wherever the cloud went, the people followed. When the cloud stopped, the people stopped following. It must have been a crazy sight to behold. And I truly believe that God has brought us to this point for a reason and with a vision. I truly believe that we've been following the favor of God. And there's testimony to that by the fruit that we have seen take place in our church. The fruit is a healthy church saved lives. Individuals' lives being changed. So it makes no sense to me why God took us on the left turn. However, it's not for us to worry about. Have you ever had your kids come to start asking you why over and over again? You make a decision and the kids come and say, well, why? And you're like, because I said so. Well, why? Because I said so. I could try to explain it to you, but you're not going to understand. And if I do explain it to you, you're not going to like my answer anyway. So just trust me. And I think that's where God leads us a lot of times. His presence leads us to different places and we don't always understand. It doesn't always make sense to us, but we don't need to understand. Why? Because his ways are higher than our ways. And it's not for us to worry. Why do we worry? Because we want to know what the results are going to be. God, if I follow you, what is going to be the outcome? But God hasn't even called us to worry about results. What he's called us to do is to walk in obedience. So I don't know about you, but my intentions in this season, even though I don't understand, is to follow the leading of God and follow the cloud. Because if we stick to the calling and the vision that God's called us to, then we know that everything's going to be okay on the other side. The Israelites knew they were going to the promised land. They just didn't realize they were going to take a long way around to get there. And we know what God's called us to do because he's told us from his word. We just didn't know all the steps it was going to take to get there. Think about what God has told us to do as a church. We talk all the time about values, things that we should value in life. And I was thinking about what God's told us to value versus what's going on in our culture. For example, we value the word of God because where the word speaks, God speaks to us. And right now, do you know how much confusion and chaos is coming from every single voice in the world? Think about it. You get on social media, you have half of your friends saying that we just need to go back to life. You have half of them saying we need to stay home. You watch the news. One doctor comes on and says this is chaos. The other doctor says, no, this is the greatest thing. There's like a lot of confusion. 
But this isn't confusing. Why? Because it leads us, it guides us. We need to trust in this more than ever. We talk about having fellowship with God. We value worship with God. Think about this season where there's so much isolation from one another. We need God in our life more than we've ever needed him before. We need him hourly. We need him daily in our life. We talk about being spirit-led. How much more do you need the Holy Spirit guiding you in this season so we don't miss it? We talk about family. I think a lot of us, myself included, we took corporate worship for granted. And now a lot of us were having to watch at home or we're not together with our family. And we realize how much we need each other. Talk about the next generation of believers. Right now, people are ready to give their life to Jesus Christ if we'll just tell them. That's what the cloud has led us to today, and we need to keep following it. The second thing I need to show you is this. We need to remember that God knows what he's doing in his way is better than our way. When the people left Egypt, God took them straight into a body of water. And I imagine that the people are like, okay, what's going on? We took one step forward, and now we're taking two steps back. Has life ever felt like that for you? where you take one step forward and then it's like two steps back, one step forward, two steps back, or is it just me? Because I felt that way from time to time and I hate that feeling. I was thinking about this though. We know why God did that because he was trying to create separation. If you know the story, God splits the Red Sea, the people walk across on dry ground, then God closes the body of water up and it created separation from their enemy. In football, And how many of you are praying, like, dear Jesus, let college football come back on, right? Like, dear goodness, Lord, we can't, we have gone without enough. We need college football, right? In football, there is what's called the comeback route, right? So the receiver takes off sprinting downfield, then he plants his feet, and he turns around, and he runs back towards the quarterback. That seems like an odd thing to do if I'm trying to get to the end zone, which is that way, why would I be running this way? But we know why. Because as soon as he plants his feet and he turns around and he runs back, it creates separation from the defender, right? There's a purpose in going the wrong way for that season. And what we see is that God led them the wrong way for a season because he had a purpose in it. And even though our lives have been unhinged and the church has been, you know, knocked off from the plans and all these things, God knows what he's doing it comes down to the question, will we trust him? Will we trust him with our families? Will we trust him in the church? Will we trust him with the future? The Israelites had to trust that God knew what he was doing. And we have to trust that we know what God is doing. And that we have to trust that he will take care of us and he'll provide for us. Right now, so many of us are weak in life. We don't have any control over our jobs. We have no control over our income. We have no control over what's going to happen next week. We have no control in the church. So many families right now, their loved ones are having surgery. They can't even be there with them. There's so many things that are outside of our control, and we feel weak in our own hands. But the scripture says this, when we are weak, he is strong. And right now, we need to submit to that weakness when we say, God, be strong where we cannot be. The third thing I need you to see is this. When you don't know what to do next, just do the last thing God told you to do. A lot of people always ask me, what does God want me to do right now? And I was like, well, are you loving, do you love him? Are you following him? If the answer is yes, then you just keep doing the last thing he told you. And when he wants you to do something different, he'll tell you within. That's hard for us because we get put in this holding pattern waiting to land the plane. And we just feel like we're going in circles in life. 
But I can tell you this, that God's the greatest air traffic controller of all time, and when he wants you to land, he'll tell you when to do it. We just have to trust him in the meantime. And that's what I love about Moses' leadership. One thing about Moses is this. God had to threaten his life at the very beginning, saying, look, you need to get your life squared away because you're going to follow me from a bush, mind you. But once Moses said, okay, Moses never turned his back. Whatever God said to do, he did it. Now, unfortunately, there was that incident where he whacked a rock twice, and we kind of looked the other way on that one. But for by and large, Moses' life, when God said do something, he just kept doing it until God told him different. That's a great example for us. It makes no sense to go into the wilderness with two to three million people, but that's what God said to do, and by golly, that's what we're going to do. Listen, when you combine God's omniscient knowledge with Moses' unquestionable obedience, God painted an amazing masterpiece. That's a great mixture put together to see what God can do. And God will do the same thing in this church. He'll do the same thing in our lives when we just simply follow him. We have a lot of things that God told us to do this year that I truly believe in the bottom of my heart. I truly believe God told us that we need to go to two services. Why? Because we ran out of room. I truly believe we need to expand the parking lot. I truly believe that God told us to raise up strong male leadership inside of our church through the men's ministry. I truly believe that God was doing some things in our youth ministry and our kids ministry and teenagers and all these things. None of that stuff goes away because of a virus. We just got to figure out how to do it in this season that God's called us to live in. There's no reason for us as a church to have a victim mentality. God's given us a calling and we have to live that out. The timing might have shift, how we accomplish the task might have shift. We have to evaluate and we have to go through the process, all of those things. However, when God tells us to do something, we have to figure it out. And we have to follow his leading and he will point us how we should do it. And we're obedient to him and obedient to his calling. I promise that he will work it all out and he'll paint this amazing masterpiece that, we're get, that we get to be a part of. I want to close with this if Charity wants to come back up here. Here's the thing we need to see. Just because God led them the long way around didn't mean that the vision that he gave them went away. God said, go to the promised land, and they were walking to the promised land. They just went in a direction that didn't make sense. And I truly believe this, that God has given us some things to do as individuals, as people, and as a church, and that God is going to work it all out when we follow him. We just have to trust him. We have to keep following the cloud. We have to keep looking out for what's ahead and saying, God, whatever you told us to do, we're going to keep doing it until the time comes for us to do something different. We have to trust in God. Amen? If you would, please stand with me this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I pray this morning for us as individuals, as a church, those of us that are in this building, those of us that are at home watching online, God, we come to you in this very awkward, very weird season. God, we're not sure what to do. Lord, for a lot of us, this has affected us very, very much personally in our own families. God, there's confusion, there's chaos. It doesn't make sense that we're going the long way. But God, what we do know is that when you're with us, it's always safe. And God, I pray that you'd be the safe shepherd, the safe guide safe leader of every single home, every single individual, Lord, that they would know that you're with them. And Lord, in your arms and in your hand, Lord, there's nothing that can take them. They're safe with you. And Lord, that we know on the backside of this that what you're doing makes sense. Lord, I pray today as a church, God, 
that we would be passionate, we'd be dedicated to living out the calling that you have for us. God, you've went before us. You've already laid the groundwork. And Lord, I pray that we'd be obedient to you. Lord, help us to follow your leading in every single situation. Lord, help us to put trust in you even when it doesn't make sense to us. And Lord, help us to be faithful to keep walking. God, I thank you for your leading. I thank you for your goodness. And I thank you for your grace. I thank you for saving us and setting us free. Lord, I thank you that at any moment we can always turn to you because you're there. And Lord, just as you did not leave Israel, but you stayed with them. God, I know you're staying with us as a church and as individuals. God, I thank you for your goodness and I thank you for your presence. And Lord, I pray today that as we leave out of this place in just a few moments, Lord, that you would literally lead us everywhere we go. Lord, that we'd be looking for your hand, that we'd be looking for your guidance. Lord, we, that when we follow, Lord, we would see your favor just like the Israelites did. Lord, you perform miracles in their life and in their midst. And Lord, I pray that you perform miracles in the midst and the lives of our people. Lord, some of our people, Lord, they need financial miracles. They need miracles in healing in their body. Lord, they need miracles in their mind. Lord, they need miracles in their life. And Lord, you are a miracle worker. And Lord, when we do these things, we know that you will follow through and you'll be faithful on your side. Lord, I pray for blessing and favor upon these people. I pray that no matter where they're at, if they're watching at home or they're here, God, that they would know that you're with them and that they would see your hand moving in their life. God, I pray that we'd be your light and your witnesses in this community this week. And Lord, that as we're faithful, God, we would see you do amazing and mighty work. God, thank you for the opportunity just to worship with you this morning. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to commune with you and that you're here with us today. And Lord, as we leave, let us know, Lord, that we're not leaving your presence, but that it goes with us everywhere we go because your spirit resides in us. God, thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.